What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Trust the Bank podcast. If you're watching it on YouTube, this is the first segment of our Trust the Bank podcast recording. We've been coming out. We've been really good the last couple of weeks. We've been coming out with probably two a week, which we love doing them. It's a lot of fun to be able to record in bulk and talk about things that you guys want to hear about. But if you're watching this on YouTube and you're like, man, I want to listen to these other segments. I want to hear about Josh Bynes. I want to hear about, you know, the draft and and can the Ravens get instant impact guys? Well, you can check out the podcast platform and be able to see all of that stuff, or I guess not see, listen to it over there, or you can wait next couple of days. They will be coming out, but you know, let's get into it. Let's talk about some Ravens news that came out today that I'm going to say I was pretty surprised by. I'm not going to say that I'm against it, but let's talk about Melvin Gordon because it came out today that the Ravens are actually interested in signing the former charger. Now, former Bronco running back, uh, to a deal to probably be that running back three, maybe maybe an RB one to start the year as they you know bring back JK and Gus Edwards, uh, but you know just be that third guy in the committee to take some of the load off of some you know rehabbing players from injury. What do you think about bringing in Melvin Gordon, Joshua? I mean, honestly, I'm really not a, I'm not really opposed to it. Um, you know me, guys. I love my running back guys. I know I saw some people on Twitter even talk about bringing back Devontae Freeman. Honestly, Devontae Freeman was having a good stretch, too, towards the end of the season. So, I mean, if that happens, I wouldn't be mad at neither. I mean, EDC and um, everybody in the facility said, you know, this upcoming season, they're not going their plan is not to rush everyone back, which is the smart thing to do with all the injuries that we take, take, took, you know, last year. But me personally, I'm more on the I'm more on the bus of seeing, you know, one of my guys out the doghouse. Ty- Tyshawn Williams and Nate McQuarrie. I feel like it would be the Kenneth Dixon, Gus Edwards show all over again. Because um, I believe Kenneth Dixon and Gus Edwards did play with Lamar Jackson for a little bit, and that show was yep. oh, it was it was very uh, beautiful. I might add. So I mean, you had your you had your you had your back that can you know scat and get up the field. You had a little bit of moves, then you had your power. You literally had the same tandem, and they're both six foot six footers plus, and about two twenty plus. And you know Nate McCray moves so good on his feet, but Tyshawn is the is one of the hardest runners. So I mean, if he gets out the doghouse, you know, for this upcoming season, I would love to see that. I would love to see that um, that combination. But adding a veteran like Mel- Melvin Gordon, you know, um, McCann, I know you're probably going to his stats, but you know, I think he did. I think he did pretty well for the past two years out out in Denver. Yeah, I mean, I. I was a big fan of Melvin Gordon uh, coming out of Wisconsin. You know, mm-hmm. I was a bit upset when I, I believe he was on the team with Russell Wilson that lost in the Rose Bowl. But you know what? Oh, well. Um, the, the biggest thing that I see with him is, you know, he's not the same guy that he was in L.A. When he first started off his career, you know, it was arguable that he was on the same tier as the guy that he was, um, you know, coming out. Uh, with, you know, from the University of Georgia, Mr. Todd Gurley, who eventually went on to become arguably the best running back in the NFL for a couple years before the injuries kind of uh, took a toll on his body. Melvin Gordon was an elite running back. You know, he he was a pro bowler two times in San Diego. Um, I guess he moved to LA, you know, midway through his career, but uh, sorry, San Diego fans. Um, But then he goes to Denver and last season, I'm sorry, two seasons ago, it's weird that we're in uh, the next season officially now. Uh, But in 2020, his first year in Denver, uh, he was the guy, you know, they, they had, I believe, Philip Lindsay back then, but it, it was clear that Melvin Gordon um, was the running back for them. And he was, he was the head of the committee. I'll say he wasn't the, you know, every down back, but 
he played really well. You know, Denver has a good offensive line, so I'm not trying to say like, oh, he was the greatest running back of all time. But he nearly had a thousand yards rushing. Uh, he only he only played in 15 games, started in 10, uh, had nine touchdowns, 986 yards. Also, he caught the ball for 158 yards um, and got a receiving touchdown. So that that's something to keep an eye on too. Is he is a guy that can catch the ball? Is he is he uh, Christian McCaffrey? Is he Austin Eckler? No, but he can catch the football. Then in 2021, the, the Broncos go out and they draft Javante Williams. Love Javante Williams. I think he's a great player. Uh, so they obviously kind of decided, you know what, Javante Williams was great. But Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams were a one-two punch. They were just about even in how often they were used. And it showed. And both of them were very effective with the football in their hands. Melvin Gordon in the season, 203 rushes, 918 yards, eight touchdowns, um, you know, had a – had an, I'm sorry, had a 70 yard rushing touchdown the year before he had a 64 yard uh, rush. Actually, I don't know if it was touchdown. That was his longest rush, but usually 70 yard rush means touchdown. Um, and he, he averaged over four and a half yards per carry in both of those years. Anybody that can average four and a half yards per carry is a guy that I'm okay with on the Baltimore Ravens. If they are proven to be able to run the football consistently and be able to run it between the tackles and be able to score touchdowns, that's valuable to me. And I like uh, Nate McCurry. I like Tyshawn Williams. But one of the biggest things is, is they're still inexperienced. And we don't know, like, obviously we can look at potential, right? You know, Tyshawn Williams, the first game of the of his career against the Las Vegas Raiders, had a pretty good game. But he didn't get those other opportunities. Now, you know, whether or not he should have, totally different argument. I think he should have gotten some more opportunities. But he didn't show a lot to be able to be like, okay, this guy can be a consistent, really solid running back in the NFL, or at least he can't for the Ravens because he won't get played. Melvin Gordon is a guy that I see as being able to come in on a cheap deal. He was on a two-year $16 million deal in Denver. He's expected to get less money than that because he's now a little bit older. Spot Trek has him valued at about $5 million, 5.2 on a one-year deal. I think that is, that is worthwhile. And to be able to have a guy come in and be the third guy because Melvin Gordon wouldn't have to go out there and carry the ball 220 times this year. Not like he has the last couple of seasons, you know, rushing for 200, 200 attempts. That's not what he needs to do. He needs to come in, be some fresh legs and, you know, maybe, maybe in certain uh, short yardage situations, but it, it just provides so much opportunity for the Ravens to be able to have three very solid running backs. And I would say one elite running back, one really good running back and one good to to mildly good. I don't really know. A little bit above good is Melvin Gordon. That really good to me would be a gadget, more of a gadget guy though. That's okay. That's fair. That you know, I I've thought about the Ravens trying to go after a guy in the draft. You know, I love Tyler Beatty um, as a guy to come out and be a, a pass catching running back. But you know, I just don't know if the Ravens want to go in that direction like Lamar just has not had a lot of success throwing to the running backs um and I can't remember if it's Lamar's fault or if it's the running backs you know aren't great pass catchers but you know JK and Gus did work on that that was all we heard about last offseason yeah these guys have been working on their hands they've been working on the route running that was the biggest thing and JK I think holding on to the football that was what they talked about every single time oh it's just been working on the hands then they got hurt, so we didn't really get to see if it worked out. But I think the Ravens do have confidence in J.K. and Gus to be able to pass, catch the ball because Gus was solid. 
Gus was pretty solid. JK had some drops, but at Ohio State, he was solid. And I think he can be really good. So I think the Ravens could go after a guy that's a pass catcher. But I'm just wondering, like, maybe they go after a pass catching running back to be the fourth running back, but be a significant special teams player. Basically take over Justice Hill. Uh, take over his role. <clears throat> just saying. Um, I mean, honestly, no. No, seriously, though, y'all. I'm looking at Damian Pierce out of Florida. 5'10", strong, strong guy. He doesn't fall off the of, of first line of contact. He has good hips, stays low to the ground. Honestly, he is a, how can I say it, a better version of Nate McQuarrie. He is. I mean. There is no better version of Nate McQuarrie. He's the greatest running back of all time. I mean, listen, Nate McQuarrie is very silky. He's very smooth. You know, he knows how to, you know, take his time and hit the hole. But, you know, getting a guy like at 5'10", 218 pounds, is probably going to add some more weight and ran literally maybe a 4'4", 4'5", during that pro day and, you know, doesn't lose balance and you know has good hands coming out the, out the backfield. Think about think about having a twin uh, double backs double backs in the backfield with J.K. and Damian Pierce, both of them flare, flaring out. But one goes up and cut across the line, and you got you know you got Rashad Bateman uh, going up going going up top across the middle. Then you have uh, Hollywood, you know, stretching the field going deep. You know, sometimes you don't always need money mark out there. I don't know who's going to be the opposite uh, wide receiver on the outside, but he George can always Pickens. Ooh, okay. Let's go with this thing. Let's go with the big dog. Let's go with the, you know, that plays Ravens way. That plays like a, a, a bigger version of Steve Smith. That doesn't take no, that doesn't take no crap for nobody. I love that. You know, so see him on a 10 and out. I mean, you, Lamar would finally have more options than before, and it won't all be all stacked onto the right side of the field. So, honestly, I would bring in someone like that, you know. So, um, I definitely do see us maybe going either undrafted or maybe drafting, you know, um, a power power back in the later rounds, maybe Hassan Haskins at the University of Michigan. The, the draft is an interesting way of looking at the running back spot because they, they absolutely could. And I think, you know, the way that Eric DaCosta, he gave a very political approach when they um, they asked him about, oh, running back in the first round. He was like, well, honestly, there isn't a running back that should go in the first round this year, which is funny. Uh, like, I don't know why somebody would even ask about that because there's nobody that's even projected, I think, a first round pick overall. So yeah. I just think that's a little bit ironic. But, you know, overall, I think one of the biggest things is when you're looking at it, when you're looking at, the Ravens roster, they have 10 picks. Do they want to use any of those 10 picks on a running back? They could, and they could get a good guy. I see that. They could, go, they could go undrafted like they have the last couple years, but for some reason, they don't give the undrafted guys an opportunity, even though they showcase that they, hey, if given the opportunity, they can actually be really solid. Tyson Williams, Nate McCrary, you know, those are potential guys. Or they go in the, the later round draft pick selection. Um, I, I honestly think Melvin Gordon would be a good signing. The issue is I think they could use their money better somewhere else than bringing in a Calais Campbell or bringing in an edge rusher or something like that. So it's not something where I'm against it. I think it could be a good move, but I think there's better moves out there. It's kind of my take on it. Um, I don't know. Do, do you agree with that? Like it would be solid, but they should do it some, you know, somewhere else. I mean, I mean one thing for certain, two things for sure, you know, Ravens can always find running backs and tight ends whether it's undrafted, drafted, or, you know, somebody on the back end of their career, and they still get some good production out of them. So, you know, I definitely agree uh, with you 
in regards of maybe not being so interested or heavily invested in the Melvin Gordon um, interest um, talk, I definitely would see about bringing back Calais Campbell. Yes, we have Michael Pierce, but uh, Michael Pierce, you know, I want to say injury prone, but he did suffer some injuries in Minnesota. I mean, we had Justin Metabike, we had Broderick Washington, but, you know, having one of those veterans like uh, Calais Campbell, maybe even talking to Jadavion Clowney would be more suffice because, honestly, pressure make diamonds, defense win championships. And, you know, we're trying to get back to this age of, you know, having a strong style of defense that can lead us to the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, let us know if you're watching this on YouTube. Comment down below your thoughts. You know, I put out a poll uh, about should the Ravens sign Melvin Gordon. I've been trying to put out a lot of YouTube polls. I also put them out on Twitter a lot of the times. But, you know, contributing those, you know, it's just something to see how we can gauge the audience in a really effective way i think youtube polls is the best way because it gets a lot a lot more people that follow us on youtube than twitter so it gets a lot more um investment from everyone but you know let us know uh, what you guys are thinking about it but you know let's get into the next segment let's talk about a guy that the ravens decided to bring back a linebacker josh Bynes. josh Bynes, really solid linebacker for the ravens started in a good chunk of games for them. And he played really solid for them, especially in pass coverage. He was the clear best pass coverage linebacker that Ravens had, at least middle linebacker. Um, But, you know, they bring him back. Joshua, you know, do you like bringing him back? And also, should the Ravens still make any adjustments to the linebacking group? Not in the first round, um, but, you know, later later in the draft, uh, fourth round, sixth round pick or potentially a, you know, veteran or something like that that they could go after. What do you think about bringing one of those guys in? I mean, honestly, I don't see any more interest in veteran linebackers. I mean, um, outside of maybe Dante Dante Hightower, but the Josh Bynes move is it's, it's, it's literally, it's literally a security blanket. I mean, once we brought him in during the season, you know, that definitely was an upgrade, you know, to the defense, you know, his knowledge and just how he was playing off of uh, – PQ. We do have run stopping linebackers. The only thing we are missing is linebackers that can uh that can cover. You know, we know PQ is maybe one of the fastest linebackers out there right now. But um, as far as cover skills, it you know it definitely will improve. Uh, Malik Harrison hasn't seen a lot of playing time. I know Pat, if you're watching this, you're gonna get on me. But um, you know, what we call we're gonna see lightning and thumper on on the field this upcoming season. I promise you that. And if they if they really make things happen like they're supposed to. That's going to be the uh, linebacker tandem for for the Ravens for years to come, but um, I definitely see us actually going at the you know I keep on saying it, uh, Chad Moma out of Wyoming or even your favorite Troy Anderson, um, in the later rounds. I mean those will be a great additions to you know our linebacker core because we are a little we are thin. I mean Chris Boyd left. He wanted a chance to be a starting linebacker in Detroit. So I mean and honestly I'm not mad at that. I mean if you feel like you've been doing your job and you feel like you know you've proven yourself. By all means, go out there and show it. Go out there and, you know, uh, secure, like we always say, secure your bag. So, I mean, shout out to him. I don't know if we bring back LJ Ford, but I see that may possibly happen as well. But um, I definitely see us possibly uh, drafting, you know, like a Troy Anderson, Chad Mama, uh, even um, uh, Penn State, I believe Brandon or either Chris Smith. Brandon Smith. Okay. Yeah. Mute. Thank you. Once every time I mute, I swear I always forget to unmute. But one of the biggest things when you're looking at the Ravens roster, it's not just about this year. It's about the future. 
Josh Bynes is an older linebacker. So drafting a player to get to learn under Josh Bynes, you know, if we drafted my favorite guy, Troy Anderson, my favorite guy in this draft class, he's a guy that's, that's not expected to be a great player right away. He's a developmental player. Well, now you can draft him and not need to expect day one production from them because they can sit back behind, you know, Patrick Queen, who's going to be in year three, LJ Fort, Bennett, sorry, Bynes. I don't know why I said LJ Fort. <laughs> sit behind Bynes, um, you know, who's who's a veteran. Learn from Zachary Orr. Learn from Mike McDonald. And also yeah. sit behind uh, Malik Harrison. So you're able to, like, really take a lot from that and develop so then when – you know, he retires, you can be the third guy. Or maybe you're, you're so good that you become the number two. Maybe you're incredible and you become the number one linebacker on the team. I don't know. But I, I do think the Ravens should still address the linebacker core, you know, in the draft. I don't think they should go out and sign any veterans. I think they need to find a long-term play. I'm not saying that I don't believe in Patrick Queen. I'm not saying I don't believe in Malik Harrison. I do. I really like both of those players. However, you know, neither of them have been able to take that next step. If for some unfortunate reason they can't take that next step, you want to have somebody already in-house where you're like, okay, we see this guy's potential. Maybe he could be that next guy. Again, I think Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison will take that next step. But if they don't, have a backup plan. Have a contingency plan. That's one of the biggest things that you know I always think about when I'm thinking about building a roster is you can't put all of your eggs in one basket. We can't hope that Patrick Queen turns into Ray Lewis. Patrick Queen has to literally be Patrick Queen. I mean, um, and honestly, as Ravens fans, we have got spoiled in in regards to, you know, having one of the best linebackers ever to play the game and also having one of the best safeties to ever play the game. And, you know, and and since they left, we've been, you know, I won't say hopeless, but the guys that we've tried to replace those those holes haven't compared. I mean, yeah, we had Earl Thomas. He, 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 you know, he played good ball. But um, you know, CJ Mosley, he was a late bloomer. Um, Arthur Brown, he didn't uh he didn't pan out like we thought he did. Um, the only solid guy that you know I would say was Daryl Smith. He was very solid, veteran guy, yeah. um, for sure tackler. Um, but you know who also reminds me of Patrick Queen? That Patrick uh, uh Patrick Queen could be uh be like Patrick uh Awansky. Oh, ooh. Peanut. Peanut. Yeah, Peanut. Peanut. That was the exact guy I was thinking of. Yes, Peanut. And he was a late bloomer. But, you know, once mm-hmm. he got his footing and once he got it together, he was there. He was there every tackle. He was there for the blitz. He was there forcing, uh, forcing turnovers. So, you know, I would rather see Patrick Queen take that role on of, of a Peanut because we need that. We need that, you know, that, that energy, that drive, that love. You know that dog mentality at that second level behind our um our offensive. I mean, excuse me, our defensive line. And honestly, I feel like we're getting there. Justin Metabike and Roderick Washington, especially Justin Meta. Uh, shout out to Dawson. Um, he's uh, one of our one of our CTB family. Called him Justin Meta Beast. Um, <laughs> he's definitely. I feel like that's another guy that's going to be taking that next step. I'm not saying he's going to be the next Aaron Donald, but he's definitely going to be a staple for this. Uh, defensive line uh, for years to come. Yeah. I, I mean, building this defense, we have veterans, we have young guys. Keep adding. It, it's a lot easier to, to add the young guys because they'll at least be here to be able to see those improvements. You yep. know, so when you're paying a guy on a veteran minimum deal, 
they're not going to get better when they're 32 years old. But drafting a guy and paying him a million dollars a year because you got him in the fourth round, they could be a pro bowler in four years for all you know. Now they could bust out, but then you cut them. Let's, let's, talk about, let's talk about the pro bowler that's now playing for New England. That was a fifth-round guy out of Grand Valley State. We may not, we may not want to hear about him no more, but Matthew Judon. Oh, no. <laughs> Just saying. We know exactly. how to find diamonds. I mean, Paul, literally, uh, I, I believe we got Paul Kruger in the third or fourth round a couple of years, oh, a whole lot of years back. Yeah. You know, he made he made a lot of noise when he finally, you know, you know, got his, got his, got his footing. So, honestly – I've been saying it since this all season with 10 picks. We can't miss, but we can miss. And if you don't understand where I'm when I'm going with this, we'll we'll talk about it maybe in a later segment because you know EDC and this organization, they've had they've had great signers, and then sometimes they had some not so best signers. We didn't have the years where we didn't draft wide receivers that didn't amount to anything. Uh, we didn't have linebackers, offensive linemen, even defensive tackles that didn't amount to anything, but they had you know, prolific college careers. Um, Tim Williams, Terrence Cody, Bashad Perriman, uh, the list can go on and on. So, <laughs> but we, you know, even with all the research and everything like that, that they do, they say they do, you still gotta, you still have to, you know, do more homework because yeah. this year, this is a contract. This is a contract year for Lamar Jackson. Then the upcoming year after that, it's a contract year for Hollywood. I don't see us trading him. You know, um, we we it, honestly, I feel like the offensive line is going to be fine. I feel like they're going to get a swing tackle in this year's draft and work things out for Ronnie Stanley to come back and he just ease back in. Tyree Phillips is going to be at the left tackle. I, I, honestly, you know, with a Swiss Army knife, I have no other choice but to trust Patrick McCarty. I don't see them drafting the. Uh, <laughs> I don't see them drafting a center. I mean, but you can't you can't miss this year. You can't miss with 10 picks this year. I need at least seven out of 10 players to be impact players. I know that's a lot, but right now where we at, um, where we at uh, in the organization, we need that. We really do. Because we don't, we don't, cap is really the cap for us. Cap is reality. But other teams, cap is not cap. <laughs> Yeah, when you're looking at this Ravens roster, there are holes in it. And how do you fix holes? You gotta, you gotta at least fill them. You know, you can't just leave them there. So right. the way you fill them is you either trade for people, you sign people, or you draft people. You don't just hope that someone is going to fill it. You know, you, you can't just be banking on, oh, well, this guy, you know. For, that's undrafted that we signed three years ago is gonna is gonna ball out. He's gonna be that guy. Now, if he does, it's great. But you always need to make additions to make sure that you're giving yourself the best chance to fill that hole. Throw four putties on it. Yep. Don't throw one. Don't use this advice when you're building a house. But when you're fixing a roster, you can use this analogy. But you know when you're so when you're looking at edge rusher, when you're looking at corner. The Ravens need a lot of guys and they, they just need one at each of those spots to work out. Now, if more than one works out, great. We draft two corners that are really good and really solid. Perfect. But if we just draft one, 
that's the starting group right there, right? You got Marlon, you got Marcus, whoever we draft, if we draft a corner that succeeds, boom, that's the third guy. You're set. Now, if we get another guy, then we have four, and it's a great cornerback room. Edge rusher. We already have Adafe. You know, we already have Tyus Bowser. We just need that one other guy that we can sub in, and he can actually get some pressure. No offense to to Sack Daddy or anybody like that, but we, we need some. Dalen Hayes coming back from, from we have, Yeah. And Dalen, Dalen Hayes is a perfect example. We hope Dalen Hayes can yep. be that guy. Yep. But we don't know if he's going to be. So we need to th- get another guy with an opportunity to be able to do that. You know, the Ravens did that with the tight end three spot last year. They they brought in like three or four guys, mm-hmm. and then they all battled it out. And they were like, all right, Josh Oliver, you're the guy. And then we had some injuries, and then it was okay. Also, um, uh, yes, Tomlinson. So the Ravens need to draft guys that hit. They just don't need to have everyone hit. They need – three guys to hit and it would be a very successful draft class and not just like oh they have to be for they don't have to have jamar chase rookie seasons they don't have to have justin herbert rookie seasons they have to have you know what i wasn't crying every time he was on the field type of seasons because there have been times i took a i took a braxton burials type of season exactly (laughs) like oh that guy was solid you know I'm trying to think of guys that the Ravens have drafted in recent years where they came out and it was like, oh, that guy was solid. Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst came out and he was solid. It was like, hey, good tight end. Yep. We don't need him to be a Pro Bowler year one. Now, if they have a Lamar Jackson type of season and it's like, oh, wow, this guy's insane. That's amazing. We love those. We, we will take those every day of the week. But you just need a couple of guys, you know, in the first couple rounds or even in the later rounds that can come in and contribute. And we have 10 picks. Hopefully, you can get the two positions we need, edge and corner, and maybe an offensive lineman or, I don't know, special specialist. Sorry, I was watching the baseball game. <laughs> two guys just ran into each other. Um, you know, some sort of specialist or something like that that you can get. Yeah. That's all we need. We don't need anything crazy. But crazy would be good if we got more. It's just we don't need to – I like the way you put it. We can miss, but we can't miss. We can miss on seven guys if three guys work out. Like, yeah. I think a lot of people think, like, a good draft is you hit on six of your picks. That is, like, the greatest draft of all time. If you hit on six picks, you need to hit on a couple. Hitting on the one is like, okay, that was decent. We got that guy. I, th- I think this is about to take us into our next topic. <laughs> oh, I think we've already been in that topic. I think we've been in there for a minute. People are going to be like, oh, what is it? What are, we, what are they talking about? I'll just like cut it in the middle. But guys, we're talking about getting impact players in the draft. Um, that's what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, we didn't have as uh, direct a transition as normal. Uh, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Honestly, <laughs> 20 and it's funny how now we're in the 2022 draft and in the draft that we had a B plus where we had multiple fourth round picks was in 2016, six years ago. <laughs> our number one pick at number our pick number one at six was Ronnie Stanley. But let's talk about the guys that we picked in the fourth round. Just give me a minute, guys. Let me just Get down there to you. 
First first guy is Tavon Young, nickel cornerback out of Temple. And, um, you know, shout out to him, man, getting signed by the Bears um, on the one-year deal. You yeah. know, hope, hope, he's, uh, hope he has another great season. I mean, honestly, he was maybe one of the best corners um, out of that uh, out of that uh, bad season last year. He stayed healthy. I can't be mad at that. He stayed healthy. He was mm-hmm. tackling. You know, that he wasn't tested a lot neither. You know, he was still respected. I think one of his best matchups was him and Hunter Winfro um, the beginning of the season. But uh, next one was Chris Moore out of Cincinnati, wide receiver. Um, when he did get on the field, he did a lot of DTMing. But um, sometimes it worked. Sometimes it didn't work. If y'all don't know what uh, DTM stands for, uh, shout out to McConnell and it, you know, and his phrase doing too much. But um, he was a great special teams guy. I mean, he just wanted his chance. You know, he went to, he went to the Texans. I don't believe he's really seeing the field like that as a player. I think he had, he had like one big touchdown. It was, okay. He had like a 70-yard touchdown or something like that. Um, but the Texans were in and out of players all season okay. long. So I think he played a little bit. Um, so next we got Alex Lewis, Alex Lewis, excuse me, out of Nebraska. Um, we always and we always talked about that. If you get a if you get a lineman out of Iowa, you know, Nebraska, Wisconsin, you're doing you're doing a good job. And I believe Alex Lewis did give us some uh, good play time when we actually did uh, give him the rotation. Um, our last guy was Willie Henry out of Michigan. Oh, well, a Michigan guy. I don't really remember too much of Willie Henry, but our last guy in the fourth round was one of my one of my favorite running backs, Kenneth Dixon, out of Louisiana Tech. And y'all know what Kenneth Dixon did when he got on the goddamn on field. He ran hard. He took it to the house, and he wasn't scared. And, I mean, like I said, that tandem with him and Gus Edwards, that was a special tandem. So, out of that, one, two, three, that five? Yeah, five picks. We maybe had about three. No. We had four guys that that, that did play good, good solid minutes. So, like I said, you know, Tavon Young, he did come on the scene. You know, he made his presence known. Alex Lewis, you know. As an offensive lineman, he did get snaps, and he wasn't. I don't think he was a bad offensive lineman, but you know, always got. We can always double back and check. And uh, TTB family, y'all always drop in the comments and um, you know disagree or agree with me. Chris Moore, Chris Moore was on special teams, and you know, like I said, when he did get on the field, he did make some things happen. And um, sometimes a lot of touchdowns he- for him on special teams. That man was the blocked punt uh, guru. Yeah, there we go. And that's a good pick. Like, getting a guy that is a pure – like, I think a lot of people are upset at the Justice Hill pick. That's a good pick. Just because he didn't turn into a star running back, he was a star special teams player. That's a contributing player. That is a good pick. Now, if your first-round pick becomes a contributing special teams player, then it's not really we a gotta have pick. a conversation. Yeah, we But a fourth-round have- guy? Oh, that's, that's worth it every day of the week. If you can get production out of your fourth-round picks – it is solid. Tylen Wallace last year, he played on special teams. He did all right. Yep. I mean, you know, I don't know if you've been seeing it, but I, I've, I've seen it on on, uh, on Twitter. L, LJ has made a push for a Quanquo, a tight end out of University of Maryland. Can you see him being a fourth round guy, being coming coming staying in Baltimore or staying in the Maryland area? I would hope for Wittermeyer. But a tight end, nonetheless, in the fourth, fifth round, they could absolutely be an instant impact player. 
it's tough for a wide receiver on this team to become an instant impact because most likely we're not going to draft one super early. I would love George Pickens. I would love Christian Watson. Um, but unless we get a guy super early, if we draft a guy in the fourth round, they're not going to be an instant impact player. Um, there's just so many guys. Yeah. But a running back, they could be instant impact because they could be in the rotation of running backs. Mm-hmm. If we get a corner, they could be instant impact because we have like no corners and they will see the field. If we get D Lyman, they could be instant impact. Yeah. Edge rushers can be instant impact. So there are positions where we can get guys um, that'll be able to play. So there's absolutely a possibility. And the Ravens know that, and they're going to take multiple chances on, on guys like cornerbacks. They have to, they have yeah. to. I mean, I don't know about you. Uh, if we move up, I know, I know, I know. Somebody saying, "Oh, we can't give, we can't give three first rounds for uh, pick five and seven. If you're not willing to give up three first rounders for the next three years for pick five and seven, where you can get a Kayvon Thibodeau and a Sauce Gardner at the same dang time, I don't know. You know, I'm not even gonna say nothing nasty. I just don't know what you're doing with life. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm gonna leave it as that. I mean, that's two impact players." And, you know, we really don't know the future of a Marcus Peters because, yes, we got him coming back. He still has one year left on his contract. We didn't make no type of contract extension for him and, you know, free up no money in in that type of way. So it will be the best thing, in my opinion, to go after, uh, call New York and say, hey, you know, I know y'all got Wink. Um, I know, I know, I know we got a playoff, but uh, which I want to do with that five or seven pick. I got, I got three first rounders for you. Because I think McConnell and myself, we already said for the next three years, you really don't know where those next couple first round picks end up at if we hit, if we, you know, get those impact players like we need. And honestly, I don't mind giving up the next three year uh, of first rounders because if we draft correctly this year, add a couple more pieces in the upcoming year, that first round pick won't be so dire to us. It's, it's just gotta we just gotta you gotta look at it different ways right now yeah when you have 10 picks that doesn't mean you have to draft 10 times you know whether or not it's trading up for a first round pick or, or trading up you know oh we traded two fourths for a third that's a better chance of getting an impact player right you know if, if you trade up into the second round you know you package a third and two fourths get into the second round that that's even more of an impact chance so like just because we have five fourth rounders, two third rounders. We have a sixth rounder, a second rounder, a first rounder. That doesn't mean we're going to take with, take all of those picks. They may trade up. They may trade back to get, oh, hey, we didn't think that that guy was uh, going to be available. Mm-hmm. But now we can trade back up and get him after we traded back. So they, they can flip-flop, change spots to give their best chance of getting impact players at corner, at edge, at offensive line, at you know, any sort of, any sort of position, really. Uh, maybe even punter. I don't know if y'all are ready for that conversation yet, but uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Let us know in the comment section down below, guys, definitely, because where are your spots? Where are your spots we can get impact players at? Yeah, because, uh, you know, if we, if we stay at 14, gee, I got to go edge. If we stay at 14, I got to go edge. Um, I, I can't afford anybody else getting picked up. And then second round, got to dress corner. Third, maybe another corner in the wide receiver. And fourth, free for all. Have fun. 
tight end, offensive line, running back, linebacker. Um, we have we have five in the fourth again, or four. Okay, so I said offensive line, running back, cornerback, wide receiver. Mm, that's a, that's that last pick can go anywhere. Did I say tight end? Tight end. Boom. Right there. Like, yeah, it would be cool to get other guys, other positions. But the guys that we need impact players on, that's where we have to hit. If we draft a a wide receiver, it's not necessary that he hits. Obviously, we hope he does. But it's at the the tight end, edge, corner, like you said, Joshua. That's where it's got to be. Yeah. That's where you take those chances. But I don't know. Any, any Any other things you want to talk about, you know? Instant impact, late round um, guys. Nah, I think maybe you know we do we, we can do a topic for the family. Uh, what do we feel is more important if we haven't already did so in regards to secondary or you know um, front seven pressure? I mean uh, rush because I know a lot of guys are on Jermaine Johnson. Um, shout out to him because he was in the facility this week. Um, but these last chance, you guys, you know. Uh, we had Chauncey. Chauncey ain't done nothing yet. I don't even think Chauncey's on the roster still. I would love for him to uh, play, but, you know, things happen, people, and, you know. But, um, no, nah, man, that's it. All right, guys. You know, that's going to do it for this most recent podcast episode. If you're watching the third segment, go check out the other segments on YouTube. Check out the podcast platform if you're watching. On YouTube, you know, make sure to hit the like button, hit the subscribe if you enjoyed. And if you're listening on the podcast platforms, if you could give a, a review on, you know, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening, it would greatly help the podcast. So thank you guys so much. And we will see all of you again next time.